Wright and Kathleen Bobe in Ontario, Canada with episode number 60 of The Yacking Show. And we've got an interesting day for the 5th of November. We've got spring temperatures of about 18 centigrade and something like 65 Fahrenheit, which is unusual for this time of the year. But we're not here to talk about the weather. We just enjoy the good stuff. So we're here to talk about life, business and more where we bring you tips and ideas for the changing world we're living in. And everything's changing, including the weather. So we have another interesting guest for you today, a very talented person, but it's not my job to introduce our guests. So I must first welcome Kathleen. Hello, Kathleen. Nice to have you on the show again. Hello, Peter. And uh, it's always great to be here. We have such fun together, don't we? Absolutely. And, uh, thanks to all of you for tuning in. We so appreciate you and we love reading your comments. So do please keep them coming. And of course, if anyone out there is interested in becoming a guest on our show, please don't hesitate to reach out to either Peter or myself. And as Peter said, yes, we have an interesting guest with us today. He's how shall I describe, very multi-talented, and we'll get into that in a moment, but his career has spanned, oh my gosh, ranges from being a stand-up comic to doing voiceover work for a cartoon for CBC. Uh, he's a musician, a very talented musician, and now is the president and partner of a local printing company called Reeve uh, & Company. So welcome, Steve Ashton. Welcome, Steve. How are you today? Wow. Well, now I'm quite full of myself. Thank you for asking. <laughs> Hello, Steve. It's good to see you. It's great to see you, Peter. Thanks for having me here. <laughs> so, Steve, I've, I've just given the audience a little bit of a snippet into your career, but please take us back. Tell us how this all started, and now you're, you're, you've got a printing company. So, I mean, I'm interested in your music, and I'm interested in hearing about your stand-up comedy, you know, being a stand-up comic, so just tell us more. Oh, me, my favorite topic. Perfect. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so I, I, years ago, um, I, I developed a, a great big interest in advertising uh, and in people, uh, in, in trying to find out kind of what makes people tick. And you know that's a big part of advertising too is is finding out what what uh, what they respond to. Mm -hmm. So I started off my my career in an ad agency, um, you know, starting at the bottom, writing copy, um, designing some ads. Uh, went on to be a, a graphic designer for um, another company, and to make an extraordinarily long story short. Um, a printing company called me up and called me over to the dark side to sell <laughs> printing foil. Uh, and and I, I knew enough, uh, having dealt with a lot of print salespeople, I, I had found what I didn't like. And so I, I could hopefully um, turn that experience around and, and become the type of salesperson that I'd want to um, work with. And, uh, and it, it seemed to go relatively well. And about... Uh, 10 years ago or so, uh, I joined up with Reeve and Company, and about five years ago, uh, my business partner and I, we let the Reeves retire, and so he and I uh, purchased the company from them. Good, and moved you to let to, them retire. Yeah, <laughs> they deserved it. They, they are um, two of the nicest people I have ever met, and they deserve any success that they've, that, that, that they've had. Um, and they, they quietly built up 
just a really good business based on service and based mm -hmm. on kindness and understanding. And so our hope was that we could, we could take that and we could, we could use it to, to build on that and expand our client base, but keep the same level of service and the same sort of personal level. So yes, I can talk about, you know, times where I've done stand up or times where I do music or what have you, because at the end of the day, we're all still people, whether we're running businesses or whether we're purchasing or whatever it is, we're all still people. I, I, I posted something the other day that and I think it said something like, uh, you know, commerce is transaction, but business is people. Mm -hmm. right? right. So that's, that's a little two cents worth about me. <laughs> Thanks for sharing that. Off on to you, Peter. Okay, so I've found out a little bit about you, and we want to talk more about the stand-up comedian in a moment. But with that range of activities that you've done, from being comedian, musician, selling print on the dark side, as you say, uh, you, you must have picked up quite a lot about knowing your audience. And uh, this is something I think you you have a lot of advice for our, our viewers and listeners. So you want to talk more about that? I, I'd love to. I, I'd love to. And, and whether it is stand-up, and, and I, I'll be perfectly uh, honest, I, I did stand-up as a passion and as a love. It was never a, um, a, a career. Um, I, I, uh, um, same with music. Music has always been a passion and a love, and, and so I, I perform fairly often. Uh, but but the, the career is, is here, and it's, it's fantastic. But in every case, um, the same principles apply of, knowing your audience, knowing who you are speaking with or who you're trying to speak with. Um, and that, that can mean a lot of different things. From a printing perspective, that can even come down to what substrate you're printing on. And, and that might sound strange, but years ago I had a, a nonprofit organization and we were quoting on a, a mail-out piece for them. And their exact quote was, we don't really care what this costs. It just can't look expensive. Right. So even right. though the glossy paper was the same price as the silk or the mat, they said, we need to go with the mat because it gives off the impression that we are spending less on mm -hmm. our print because their audience um, are people who are donating and they yeah. were aware of the fact in a high tech, high touch world that when people are actually holding a piece of print in their hands, they're not only looking at it for the content, but they're judging it based on, is this too flashy? And if it is, we don't want to support that organization necessarily because we feel that they're spending too much of their money on marketing and not enough going to the people who actually need it. Who, who need it, right. So, so I have a question then for you, Steve. Now that makes sense to me in, in printing, but as a musician, for instance, how do you get to know your audience when you're on stage and, I mean, you could have a very huge cross-section of, of people in front of you from, you know, from maybe teenagers, I don't know, to, you know, the middle-agers. <laughs> And all people like me, yeah. <laughs> the but, silver fox speaks. There you go. 
the, the whiskers of wisdom. Oh, thank you. <laughs> That's <man>. what we've <laughs> dubbed them. <laughs> but do you have an answer for that, Steve, or some, some advice for that? Like, how do you personally, how do you determine your audience? So um, I think that's a really good question. Um, and, and my answer would, would be, I think, two-pronged. One, if you can, is to ask the right questions. Um, you know, perhaps if, if you're up on stage as a musician, you can't necessarily say, hey, what do you guys want to hear next? But if you are, if you're interacting and you're doing, a, you know, a, a sales call with someone and you want to find out what they're what their um, sensitivities are and what their triggers are, you know, asking those questions like, you know, is there a reason why you would go talking to about our last example? Is there a reason why you would prefer to go for a gloss as opposed to a lamb or a gloss as opposed to a mat or what have you? So, you know, then you can, and then, then the most important part is listen, mm -hmm. which is sort of the, the second prong of, of, of my answer which is when I'm up on stage playing, I'm looking around the room and I'm, I'm seeing, okay, that table there seems to be responding quite well to this song or these people are tapping their toes or, you know, and again, there, it's a question of knowing what your role is as well. Because if my role, if I'm playing at a, a banquet and I'm just meant to be background music, then, that's all I'm, I'm meant to do. That's all I'm meant to be. So yeah, know your audience, also know your purpose. But if I'm, if I'm performing where I am actually supposed to be uh, you know, commanding the attention of the room, so to speak, then yes, I have to uh, be aware of what's going on around me. And you know, maybe I play a country song and maybe that gets people up and moving. And, you know, Whereas maybe, you know, historically country has not been my forte, but well, maybe learn a few more country songs or maybe play a few more country songs that night if that's what seems to be moving the needle, so to speak. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Interesting. Now, if <clears throat> for businesses trying to know their audience, uh, quite a few businesses have suddenly had a huge barrier put between them and their audience. And that's because of the restrictions with the virus and the reaction and the shutdowns and all that. So I, I guess we have many businesses that are in this uh, gray area of how do we listen to our audience? How do we ask them questions and how do we see their responses when we can't get in front of them? At best, we're going to see them on a Zoom screen like we're doing now or on an email or phone. So now there's another layer of complexity in this thing. So how do we handle that one, Steve? So I, I would say that, that not only do we need to know our audience, but know our potential audience. Mm -hmm. So here at Raven Company, we have historically focused on business-to-business -business sales. So our clients are, are, by and large, corporations, ones who do events, ones who mm -hmm. have vehicles that they need wrapped or ones that you know, will need a retractable banner stand or trade show booth or anything like that what the pandemic has done to our business has shut down all events. Um, you know, it's, it's essentially put the university work on hold as well. So we've had to look at, you know, who could our audience be? Well, we know 
just from paying attention to what's happening in you know in the stores nowadays and in the world nowadays is that a lot of people have been focusing on home projects home renovations so perhaps instead of us being so firmly entrenched in our minds that well we are only a business to business business uh, that we can expand and we can be business to consumer and I, I sort of draw the analogy to, to a radio station. So, you know, if you want to hear talk radio, then you can put it on 570 News. And if you keep it on there all the time, that's all you will ever hear. However, there's a different audience out there. And there's a different broadcast frequency. And maybe you open your mind up to listen to country. Or maybe you open your mind up to listen to hard rock, which means you have to then tune into a, a different frequency. You have to adjust what your messaging is to try to reach the people in the other potential uh, markets. Mm -hmm. So I don't know if that's if that's a, a great answer to your question, but that's that's sort of where I'm coming from. Is there are still a lot of um, people out there who are who presumably need what we do uh, one of the things that we do is custom printed wallpaper and Interesting. It, yeah and it's it's it comes it comes in handy for for uh, companies that want to put a big display up on their on their wall and reinforce their corporate message for their staff but how awesome would it be if you could actually do your own custom printed wallpaper in your house and you could feature your pet or your kid or your favorite place. Like if you can't go to Cuba this year, why not splash a little Cuba on one of your walls? Right. Yeah. yeah or yeah. something, something like that, which, which again, for us, we have to get out of our own way right. and put our, our egos to the side and say, okay, we are not only, one thing we can be many things we can many broadcast things. on different frequencies right so in getting to know your audience um is there a process that you go through in in like if you have a new customer or potential customer is there a process that you go through even mentally to try to gain some insight into what they need is there is it or is it more um, documented like what what is it that you go through to try to get to know them is it just having an open discussion or do you do a little research about them so yes <laughs> is the answer to all of those questions <laughs> yes there, there is a, um, a a process that I go through in my brain yes we ask the right questions um, you know the, the fact that we have had the benefit of a, a number of years experience helps us to help our clients because we are the experts in our field. And I don't say that in an egotistical way. I just, you know, from an experiential standpoint, um, we have dealt with a lot of these um, questions um, uh, in the past. And hopefully we can use that experience to help guide our clients. Now, what I've found over the last number of years is uh, people tend to, do more internet searching right now, and they will come up to you with specific questions. Like, for example, I need a price on a banner stand uh, 
and I need it to be 33 inches wide by 79 inches tall, and I'm going to be ordering two of them. Please get me a price right away. <laughs> and the temptation is to say, okay, this is the price. Right. Here you go. And then follow up in a day or two and say, how did we do on the price? I think that the magic ingredient that we're missing in, in that scenario is we don't really know if that uh, banner stand will suit their purposes perfectly. So oftentimes, if I get that in an email, I will call and say, hey, or I'll send them an email and say, can I call? And so I call and say, I know that you've been asking for a banner stand. Can I ask what you're using it for? And, oh, well, we're just putting it up on our lobby and we're leaving it there. Okay, is there a reason why it would have to retract? Oh, no? Okay. On the flip side, you know, why are you using this? Well, we go to 25 trade shows a year back when there were trade shows, but they will come back at some point. So, so okay, if you're going to 25 trade shows a year, um, you can assume that this is going to be put up and down at least 25 times this year. So would you like to have the cheapest thing possible or would you like something that's guaranteed to work? And those are very, very different questions because especially with something like a banner stand, more than anything else we sell, I find you get what you pay for. Yep. So if, if, if you want, you can buy something that, is super cheap on a not very good material, which will curl. I don't know if you've seen this in the past where you're walking through a trade show and someone has a banner stand and the, the vinyl is curled on it. Yep. Yep. I know most people would walk by and probably not pay much attention to it, but it actually gives me goosebumps. <laughs> and, <laughs> and, oh, it just, it drives me crazy. And I think it's because I had the, the history in graphic design and in marketing. So, I'm very, very protective of my clients' brands. And when I look at a brand like that, without even saying anything, your banner stand is saying for you, we don't really care about our brand. Yep. And that, ugh. So, so again, now all of a sudden we're, we're having a conversation and we're finding out what the pain points are and, and what we're looking for and why are we looking for that. And maybe, maybe you don't know exactly what it is that could serve your purpose. Maybe a, a, a pop-up fabric wall might suit your purpose a little bit more than banner stand, or maybe uh, something that uh, you know that's just stationary as opposed to a retractable. So, in answer, this is a very long-winded answer to a short question. But when when you ask the right questions and you have a good, meaningful dialogue in an honest and authentic manner then you will get an honest and authentic response back and you'll be able to separate yourself a little bit from being just a commodity to being someone who's providing a solution. And Excellent. I just have to jump in one more time, Peter. I just, I'm curious because of, of the world situation right now, are you getting any requests for anything unusual that you wouldn't normally do? For instance, Peter and I were thinking, well, you know, would it be neat to have like a privacy screen behind us when we're doing Zoom calls? And yeah. uh, with, with logos, maybe, um, I mean, that's not something that is, you see every day, but yeah. I mean. No, absolutely. We, we, have been, we have been asked for exactly that. We've been asked for retractables 
to put people's messages on. We've been asked for pop-up fabric walls uh, to put people's messages on. We've been asked to do vinyl logos on the wall behind them, and then that way it's a permanent fixture. I was in seeing a, a client on Friday, and they're revamping their boardroom, and they're adding more lights in one area and dimming them in the other so they can have uh, you know, a TV projection over there, and then the camera so that behind them will have a big vinyl logo. Mm -hmm. So yeah, that's, that's, that's happening a fair bit. Plus masks and PPE and all that sort of right. stuff that we, uh, that we never got into before. Right. Yeah. We, we'll need to come and talk to you soon about that one. <laughs> I, I've got to endorse what you're saying about retractable screens and you get what you pay for. I belong to an organization, I won't name it, which had weekly meetings and it was part of a international organization. So occasionally there was uh a conference or whatever and we took our, our banner was pulled up for every weekly meeting and it was taken to the conference and we were short of money in a little club that we had so we didn't go for quality we went for economy and I think after a year of being pulled up every week the thing started curling and then at one important meeting it jammed and we couldn't get it up and then oh. once we put a bit of force on it we ripped it at the bottom so it was a total disaster <laughs> So, yes, you're absolutely right that you need to look at the application before you. Before but it's you interesting, too, because something, I'm sorry, I'm pointing at you here because I'm all excited about banner stands right. now. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but, but getting the economy version of something doesn't mean that, that uh, you're not being smart about things. So, so uh, one of our banner stands comes with a three-part poll. Okay. What um, one great thing to consider if you have one of that is design it so that it would work if you only use one of the three parts and that if it makes sense, if you use the second of three parts and then of course the full three, which takes a little bit of forethought, but it's such a great way to save money Sure. Because now you can use it as a tabletop display, you can use it as a floor stand, and it gives you that extra bit of flexibility that maybe you wouldn't have thought about before. Oh. So again, that, that's where it comes to the asking the questions of, you know, is this something that's, that's important to you? Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. So I'm going to switch gears a little bit um, before we run out of time and uh, <clears throat> jump ahead. Now, I'm going to ask you a question. If someone who was just finishing high school, given all the changes in the world that's going on right now, given someone, someone who's just finishing high school came to you and because of your success in so many different fields and said, Steve, you know, I don't know what to do. I, I'm finishing high school. I don't know whether I should go to university. I don't know what I, course I should look at. What advice can you give me? What, what would your words to them be? Wow. That, that is, that's a doozy of a question. Um, I, I guess I would start just by asking them what, what their interests are, you know, and, and, you know, what, what makes them excited? What, mm -hmm. what jazzes them up? Do they have an idea right now of the direction where they, they'd like to head? Um, so one thing that I would definitely tell them is to say yes to opportunities when they come along right so years ago i i through a friend of mine when he was getting married i met 
a couple of his friends who said, hey, we're doing this little project for our website. It's a little cartoony thing and you do a bunch of goofy voices. Do you want to help? And I said, yes. They said, it's never going to go anywhere. It's just a silly thing for our, our website. I said, okay, no problem. Um, that thing ended up becoming a show um, that CBC ended up buying um, wow. for, to make an extraordinarily long story short, for 65 half-hour episodes and two feature films. Wow. And it, it, was, it was incredible. But just the fact that, you know, you, you don't look at the outcome, you, you detach yourself from the outcome, you don't say, well, you know, if it's never going anywhere, I'm not, no, try it. Try it. Yep. If you have an opportunity to do something, especially if it scares you, and I'll be completely honest with you, before every gig, I, I am a nervous wreck. I walk around coughing and gagging all day. <laughs> uh, before every stand-up performance, before every uh, voice record, before this podcast, I, I was walking around my office. <laughs> <laughs> Because you have to be pushed out of your comfort zone a little bit. You have to say yes to opportunities. So young, just out of high school kid, do that. You know, try to try to think of what it is that that you're excited to do and then try. And then right. just, you know, what's what's the worst that's gonna happen? You know, you're gonna discover that you don't like it. Mm -hmm. You know, don't expect mm -hmm. to be great at it right away. Because they're, they're, you know, it's that 10,000 hours thing that yeah, uh, yeah. Gladwell talks about. Um, but just go there and enjoy the process and learn as much as you can and say yes to any opportunity you can. Thanks. Good, good advice. Good advice. Yes. I, I think I stole your spot on the question list. You had something you wanted to ask, Steve. No, I'm just, I'm just, I'm, I'm in, actually... You are so talented, Steve, because I've, I've, I've watched you perform. Uh, you have a great voice. So obviously you're still getting gigs. How do people reach you if they want you as a musician? Let's, let's just say. Well, I, I will give my, my email, which is steve at reeveandcompany.com. And everything is spelled out like R-E-E-V-E-A-N-D-C-O-N-P-A-N-Y reevencompany.com so steve at reevencompany.com you can get me there and you can you can ask about printing or voice or music or what have you and i don't know how much time we have less left but i will tell you one quick story if i can yes. carry on we got a few minutes excellent so when i was uh 20 19 um uh, i booked some time in a recording studio and I was, I was going to uh, apply to the post-recorded music program at Fanshawe College, and they needed a demo tape. A friend of mine knew someone who ran, who was in this, it was a very big, very professional studio, way better than I was. <laughs> and they agreed to have me in there. So I went in there and I played, I think it was four or five songs. And afterwards, the guy, the, the engineer, this guy whose, whose opinion I respected a lot, came out and said to me, your um, guitar playing is pretty good. And I said, oh, thank you. And he said, your songwriting isn't bad. I said, well, thank you very much. He said, don't sing. You're not good at it. It's not for you. You shouldn't do this. And I said, 
okay. And I didn't for a long while, for years. Till I went to go see a friend of mine play and she completely threw me onto the bus. She said, ladies and gentlemen, I, I just am getting over laryngitis and I'm sorry I have to take more breaks than normal, but Steve Ashton's gonna play for you. Everyone that's here for him. And I was like, what are you doing? <laughs> and, and so she did, she totally trial by fire. So I got up there and I played three or four songs, whatever it was, probably not well, but here's the thing. No one threw anything at me. <laughs> I, I got, you know, a liberal smattering of applause at the end. And it was at that point I thought, you know what? I, I can do this and maybe, maybe I'll keep going. And so that's part of the reason why getting back to Peter's question earlier or getting back to uh, just, you know, talking with young people it's we need to foster an environment of um encouragement and and collaboration like music for example is typically so full of ego if we can strip that away then it becomes a collaboration and not a competition yep. right and that goes the same for business for for me i personally believe and maybe it's pollyanna-ish but i believe there's enough work to go around. Right. You don't have to um, be the bad guy. You know, I, I think I think nice people can finish first, right? Absolutely. And so Absolutely. If if you if you do if you offer if you give of yourself if you promote kindness, then people I I feel will respond to that and they will pay it forward. Yep. You know. Yep. Uh, Peter has a similar story to yours. Peter, why don't you share it with Steve? Very, very quickly, my, my dad played clarinet in a British army band. This is way back because he's long dead. So there was some musical talent in the family. And I, when I was about 10, I started doing music at our primary school in Rhodesia, as it was, which was a British system. Uh, English teacher took music and singing, a very fierce Scottish lady by the name of Mrs. McLeod. And after the first class she said peter Wright, i can remember her words like it was yesterday you are absolutely useless you will never sing you'll never play a musical instrument and you won't learn to play music so when you come next week bring a book and i'll give you a stool in the corner because you are disrupting the rest of the class so i was 10 so i went through my life believing that and then when i i had a heart attack at 60 and at about 65, 64, 65, I needed a big goal. And I was, I just passed running marathons and all that sort of thing. So I said, what's impossible? Learn to play a musical instrument and read music. So I went and bought a guitar and tried to teach myself on the internet, not very well, took music lessons and I played a couple of things in church and I'm not good, I'm terrible. But, um, you know, when I think back, I lost 50 years because of what that woman told me. And I, but then it was a motivation to prove her wrong. So I, I hear what you're saying. I hear what you're saying. Good for you. Good for you, you for sticking with it. If it. I mean, yeah, it may have taken you 50 years. It took me 25 years to get up on stage as a stand-up because I first went out at 17. I saw a show and I went up to the manager and said, how do I get up on this stage? And he said, you write me five minutes of good material and I'll put you up on the stage. And I tried and I knew that what I wrote was poop. Pardon the French. <laughs> uh, and, uh, and I never did. I never did. And then finally at 42, I, I, did it. I, I got the chutzpah together to, to, to try it. And it went relatively well 
Good. for the most part, most of the time, and then a colossal bomb, with, <laughs> which, <laughs> which is a story maybe for another time, but holy smokes, it was a colossal bomb. Um, but it also makes for, for a good story, and it kind of shows that you're human. Like, we're all Absolutely. learning here, right? Of course. I, I know we're running over time, but that doesn't matter. This is so good. I've got a, a last question, if I may, Kathleen. Yeah. All that you went through in the 25 years of trying or thinking about being a stand-up comedian, once you did it, did you and with your music, did you find being up on stage in, in the glare of that spotlight and in the harsh glare of the audience, has that helped you in your business life, especially when it comes to sales? Oh, I, I think so. I I I, uh, I have never had a problem with speaking to people. Um, however, this was more of an exercise in pushing yourself way far out of your comfort zone, yeah. which yeah. which is lovely. So you know you're you're standing in front of a closed door and about to go in and make a sales call that's pushing you out of your comfort zone. You're looking at, at the receiver on the telephone and it looks like it weighs 400 pounds. Pick it up and start making the call. And, and you do, you get, you get pushed out of, your, out of your zone. Good, good. I think I'd love to keep going. We are going to have to get you back, Steve, for another episode somewhere in the near future. But I think we've got to call it a day. So I'm going to hand over to Kathleen. She does her little bit, well, her big bit at the end here. Over to you. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, Peter. Thank you so much, Steve. This was a lot of fun. And as Peter said, we'd love to have you return on the show. So thank you very much for joining us today. And thank all of you as well for tuning in. We do appreciate you. And as I said before, please keep your comments coming. We read every one of them. And if anyone out there is interested in becoming a guest on our show, please do not hesitate to reach out to Peter or myself. And until next time, do take care, stay safe, and bye-bye uh, for now.